if you are visiting with us, a first-time visitor especially, we're glad you're here. We, we say this a lot at our church, but we're not here because we've got it together. We're not here because we, we know all that we need to know and we're better than someone else. We're here because we're needy people. Your pa the pastor's here today worshiping because I'm needy and I need to be around people that love Jesus and I need to hear the Word of God being taught and I need to be encouraged and I need to be rebuked and I need all those things happen in my life. And so that's why we're here. We're here because we're needy. And we're going to open up the Scriptures this morning and be taught the Word. Luke chapter 1, verse 39 through 56. It's Christmas season. We're in you could say Advent season. And we're calling this four-week series, these four weeks of Advent, Prepare Him Room. And last week, Chris McWilliams, he taught Luke chapter 1, verse 1 through verse 38, as hope was announced. I'm thankful for him. I'm thankful we have several men in our church that can divide the word correctly. Isn't it great that we have a church now that we have men of God who love the Lord, who love the Word, teach their faithful to the Scriptures, and it doesn't have to be your, your pastor teaching the Word. We have other people that can teach the Word now. Same message, just a different voice, and I'm so thankful uh, for these men, so thankful for Chris, and I'm going to be preaching today, and then Blake's going to be teaching next week. So thankful, and I know you're thankful as well, but he taught chapter 1, the first part, and we saw Zachariah and Elizabeth. They're old and childless, and Elizabeth was barren. But Gabriel announced to Zechariah as he's ministering before the Lord that his wife would have a son. And the son would be a prophet. A prophet like Elijah who would be filled with the Holy Spirit and would turn many Israelites back to the Lord. The Scripture says he will make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And this boy, of course, would be called John. We know him as John the Baptist. And we see Gabriel also announcing to Mary that even though she was a virgin, she had never known a man, she would have a son. And that son would be the Son of God who would reign as a Davidic king forever and ever and ever. So we have these incredible announcements. Elizabeth's going to have a son even though she's old and barren, and Mary will have a son even though she's a virgin. John, this baby boy that will be born, he will be great. Jesus, this baby boy, will be even greater. Zechariah, he, you remember from last week, he didn't believe Gabriel, God's messenger, and so he was mute, remember, until the baby was born, and actually until the, uh, the day of his circumcision, he was given the name, and he wrote down that his name would be John, and he was able to speak. And we have a contrast, don't we, with Zechariah, who didn't, didn't believe Gabriel, with Mary, who even though she didn't understand how it would happen, she's a virgin, but yet she's going to have a child, but she did believe him. It tells us in verse 38, look there with me of chapter 1. And Mary, this is what she says just by way of context. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And it says the angel Gabriel departed from her. Isn't that amazing? That's a, we can learn a lot from Mary, can't we? Behold, I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. And so today we will see something, not just hope announced as we saw last week, but hope confirmed this week. The Lord would confirm what Gabriel told Mary. And He's going to do that by sending her to Elizabeth. Look at verse 36 and Gabriel tells Mary, And behold, your relative Elizabeth is, 
in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And so we pick up in verse 39 and Caleb read that for us, continuing the story. But one, a couple of things that I want to point out to you, firstly, is that, that God is very gracious. Notice the, the, the grace of God as we look at verse 39. So Gabriel tells Mary, this is going to be confirmed through Elizabeth, your relative who is barren and old, but yet she's six months pregnant. And so what happens is Gabriel finished speaking to Mary in verse 39. She went, it says, with haste. That means, what's with haste mean? In a hurry. Yeah, she went with her. Why in the world would she be in a hurry? Well, think about what she had just been told. You've never known a man, but you're going to be with child. And not only are you going to be with child, but this child is going to be something else. He's going to be the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's going to be the Messiah that we've been waiting for. And so what does she do? She hurries to Elizabeth's home. She wants some confirmation of what Gabriel said was true. And, and that would happen with us as well, right? If we're told about some incredible news that's going to happen to us or to our family members, we would want some confirmation as well. And we can understand that. But, but she did believe Gabriel. I mean, I think verse 38 verifies that she did. She just needed someone to validate those statements. And so Mary enters Elizabeth's home. And as soon as she enters the home, she's given this confirmation. Just a, We serve a gracious God. Isn't it amazing? God wants to pour out grace upon His humble servants. Luke tells us that when Mary greeted Elizabeth, the baby that Elizabeth was carrying, she's six months pregnant, leapt in her womb. Now, Gabriel had told Zechariah that this baby, John, would be filled with the Holy Spirit even from the womb. He's ordained even from the womb to carry out his purpose in life. So just as Mary's voice is heard, this response in this baby in utero is bearing witness that Jesus is the Christ. You could say this is John the Baptist. This is his first prophecy, even as he's in the womb. So confirmation is given to Mary, but then more confirmation, more grace is given to her as she receives more of this confirmation from Elizabeth. Elizabeth, it says that she is filled with the Holy Spirit. In verse 42, she, what does she shout? Verse 42, she says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. It's amazing. The Holy Spirit reveals to Elizabeth that Mary's pregnant. And somehow between the time or sometime from the time Gabriel spoke to Mary to the time she arrived at Elizabeth's home, not sure exactly how much time expired there, but Mary had conceived. And so the Holy Spirit revealed that to Elizabeth. And she knew not only are you pregnant, but the child that you're carrying is going to be, is going to be special. Notice that she calls Mary the mother of my Lord. So you have this baby in Elizabeth's womb leaping. It's not, you know, those of you that have bore children, this, there's kicking in the later, latter months. There's kicking, there's moving. And sometimes you'll see someone, I know when Jenny was carrying our children, you see the, the elbow or the knee and it would roll over. You know, it's just amazing, isn't it? But here, this isn't a rolling over or a kicking. This is... A, this is a leap. It's something different. And it was significant. And Elizabeth knew by the Holy Spirit that this was something special that was taking place. And this was confirmation enough for Mary. And how do we know that? Because she burst into a song of praise. 
See, God's been gracious to Mary. He confirmed that what He announced to her through the angel Gabriel was in fact going to happen, had happened. And think about it. God didn't have to do that, did He? Think about all the, the grace that's been poured out on Mary. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to confirm that for her. He could have announced that through the angel Gabriel that she's going to give birth and this, this, this son's going to be the son of God. He could have just allowed her to go through the natural physiological changes that take place when a woman who is conceived uh, goes through those things. And so just let her figure out on her own. But God is gracious to her and gives her this confirmation. I think it's significant. But notice also how Elizabeth responds in verse 43. So God's been really gracious to Mary, but He's also gracious to, to Elizabeth. The Messiah, the promised Redeemer of sinful man, has just entered the room. Elizabeth recognizes that she is not deserving of such a gift. Verse 43. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. Elizabeth, she recognizes she's not entitled. It's not something that she's owed or she's not deserving of this, but this is grace. Lord, you've been so good. Who am I that you would allow me to experience this even today? We'll return to these ladies' responses in just a moment, but God's gracious. He loves to be gracious to those who yield to Him who are submitted to Him. He loves, we serve a, a God who is gracious. And we experience it every day, don't we? We experience it every day, God being gracious to us, His church. Well, secondly, I want us to notice the promises that, that of God that were fulfilled. Back in chapter 1, verse 15, Gabriel told Zechariah that the baby that Elizabeth would bear would, of course, be filled with the Holy Spirit in utero from the mother's womb. And we see that already being fulfilled. The child, this baby John, is, is leaping in the womb. He says in verse 17, He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord. And I don't know about you, when you read that, I, I can't imagine you reading that and not thinking about Malachi and the prophecies found there. Malachi Chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way for me. This is hundreds of years prior. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. I mean, I'm sure when you read this, you, these prophecies given to Zechariah, you think about this text in Malachi. Also, chapter 4 of Malachi, verses 5 and 6. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts. Listen to this. I mean, this is almost uh, very similar, isn't it, verbiage here. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. These verses make us think of this baby in Elizabeth's womb. And Matthew 11 confirms that these verses are indeed pointing towards John the Baptist. So what does this, all this mean? It means that John the Baptist is going to point people to Jesus. Yeah, that's his job. That's his purpose, to prepare the way for the Lord. Point people to Christ. It's interesting, he just did that, didn't he? 
Even in the womb, he's pointing people towards Jesus. He's leaping in the womb and he's telling his, his mother, this is the Messiah, this is the Redeemer, this is the one we've been waiting for. John the Baptist is doing in the womb what he was purposed to do, pointing people to the Christ, informing them of who Jesus was. And you think about it as a grown man, that's what John the Baptist did. We remember those stories, don't we? He's preaching, he's pointing people to Jesus, right? Even one day he saw Christ and he says, points and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Even in the womb, he is fulfilling his purpose. Keeping, and God is keeping his promises. It's interesting down in the, the song that Mary sings. Now she hears these words of Elizabeth and then she responds by singing this song. It's called the Magnificat. It's a Latin word that's um, it's for magnifying the first verse of her song. But I want us to jump down real quickly to verse 54 and 55 of this song that she sings. God is keeping His promises that He's made. And he, he, just, he just gave this announcement to Mary and He's following through on it. And he's confirming it even now that here John the Baptist in the womb of his mother Elizabeth is leaping, pointing people to the Messiah. At the end of this song, speaking of God, He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to His offspring forever. See, God made a covenant, didn't He, with Abraham that through Him all the nations of the world be blessed, that He would give him land, that He would have a, a, a family, a nation after Him that would be like the, the stars, as numerous as the stars in the sky. And those that bless you and your family I will bless. And those who curse, you and your family I will curse. And, and we see God's promises come into fulfillment in the person of Jesus. How are the nations going to be blessed through Abraham? It's through his offspring, Jesus of Nazareth. This, this baby boy is going to be born. This... God-man, He takes on flesh and He lives a perfect life, keeping the Father's law completely. Never having an errant thought. Never committing an evil deed. Never neglecting the law. Day in and day out. He goes to the, he goes to the cross in obedience to the Father and He bore the sin of sinners. He was buried and He is resurrected to justify sinners who will trust the Lord. Yeah, that's how this Abrahamic covenant is going to be fulfilled. But we see that, don't we? We see that begin to be fulfilled even now as Mary enters the house and greets Mary and however they greeted uh, uh, greets Elizabeth, however they greeted one another in that day, and the, the baby leaps in the womb, pointing towards the Messiah. Mary is carrying a baby who's going to fulfill a, a lot of God's promises. And Mary tells us he keeps his covenant promises to Abraham and to David. And God's been faithfully. 
He'd been faithful to Mary individually, but he's also faithful to Israel as a whole. The child she carries, the Messiah, has come because God is faithful to His covenant promises. He's going to do all that He promised He would do. And it's easy, isn't it, for us to doubt God, I think, for, for myself. I mean, we doubt the Lord that He's not going to keep His Word. He's going to do all that He says He's going to do for us. And it's easy for us to doubt that God would choose to be gracious to us continually, always. But it's true. And it's true because God is faithful to His covenant promises. For Mary, that meant that the Messiah would come. That's what, that's what God would have to do, right, in order to be faithful to His promises. But let me ask you, do you doubt that God would keep His promises to you? It's easy to do, isn't it? Do you doubt that God loves you? Do you doubt God's forgiveness, that He has made atonement for your sin? Do you doubt God's goodness? Do you doubt His sovereignty and that He is using the struggles you had this week? Because some of us had struggles this week, didn't we? Are you doubting that He's using these struggles for your good? For us who live under the new covenant, God can't waver on His promises because He has made a covenant with those who believe and He sealed it with the blood of His Son. This, this Son who Mary in their story is, is now carrying. See, God is a promise keeper. All those Old Testament promises are about the coming Messiah are starting to be fulfilled right before Mary's eyes. Let's, let's see a couple of these just real quickly. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Remember this promise? I will put enmity. This is the curse on the serpent right after Adam and Eve fell. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The first mention of the gospel, right? But Isaiah chapter 7, we just mentioned a few, verse 14, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin, right, Mary, shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 through 7, it's a very familiar passage most of us know, right? For to us a child is born... To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of the government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. These are prophecies, promises that God has given that's now beginning to come to fulfillment as Mary is carrying this little baby boy. What a gracious, promise-keeping God we serve, that Mary served. She, Mary humbled herself, didn't she? She humbled herself before the Lord. That's the third point we see is just the humility of Elizabeth and Mary. It's amazing. Their attitudes, we can learn a lot from them. We've seen that with Elizabeth already, haven't we? She's been told some pretty incredible things about her son and what he would do. He'll be filled with the Spirit from the womb. Most of us, I think, if not all of us, would want to talk about that. I mean, you'd want to talk about this incredible kid that you're carrying, I think. Uh, I'll give you an example. My, my two oldest girls, they play basketball for their school, and, and we had a ball game yesterday, and 
Um, so Carly and Anna Grace, they play. And Anna Grace, you know, to say that she's uh, an introvert would be would be true and maybe possibly an understatement as well. But if you see her sometimes on the basketball court, it's like a Mr. Hyde type of transformation that takes place. And she just, you know, this sweet little reserved girl, she becomes a, a, an animal. <laughs> and she just, she just gets after it and she, she plays with such intensity and, and, and it's just fun and exciting. Partly because she's so reserved, but partly because it's, it is. She just plays some incredible defense. And so if you today, this morning, were telling me about your child and their basketball game that they had to play, well, you know what I would be not just tempted. You know what I would do is I would say, well, let me tell you about my daughter and what she did yesterday, right? And that, that's our tendency. That's what we have to do. That's what we would do, right? Because we're not as quite as humble as Elizabeth. But what does Elizabeth do? I mean, she's just been told, this is what's going to happen. You're carrying this boy. He's going to be great. He's going to be filled with the Spirit from the womb. He's going to turn all these Israelites back to the Lord. And she never mentions that. When Mary ends the room, she never mentioned that. Do you know what, do you know what the Lord said to me through Gabriel? Do you, know what, do you know what about my baby? She never mentions that, does she? No. It's like, like John takes after his mama, I think. Do you remember John the Baptist? Do you remember what he said? When, he, when he, he grew up, became a man, was the prophet God said he would be, of course, God fulfilling his promises, right? But he was asked one time by the priests and the Levites why he was baptizing people. It's kind of like, who gives you the authority to do this? John says, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. And even he who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. John the Baptist took after his mama, didn't he? John was so humble because Elizabeth, she too was humble, wasn't she? You remember what another statement John often made? I must decrease and Jesus must increase. That's a humble statement, isn't it? That's humility. We could learn a lot from Elizabeth, can't we? She's focused on Mary and the Savior that this baby that Mary's carrying at the time. But Mary's also humble, isn't she? She, she doesn't speak any, any words towards Elizabeth until Elizabeth's finished, and then she, she breaks out in this song of praise. And notice her song. She praises the Lord, this Magnificat, this, this song of adulation, of praise. And notice she mentions her Savior in verse 47. She's the mother carrying this child, but she calls Him her Savior in verse 47. And isn't it interesting? She's so blessed, isn't she? And she says she's blessed. He has done, he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And she says, the nations will call me blessed. Well, why is she blessed? I mean, because she gets to carry the Messiah, right? I mean, that's blessing enough, isn't it? But I'm reminded of Jesus' words in Luke chapter 11, verse 26 through 28. Um, let me read it to you. And he says these things. A woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. But Jesus says, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. You can also, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and believe it. See, Mary heard the words of the Lord and she believed them and she, she kept them. Why is she blessed? 
Well, she humbled herself. She obeyed the Lord and she trusted the Lord. And Elizabeth had said that in verse 45. Notice it says, And blessed is she, Mary, who believed that there, should, there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Why is Mary so blessed? Because she, she trusted the Lord. She humbled herself before the Lord. She trusted Him. Mary doesn't see herself as any better than anyone else or any holier than, than thou, holier than anyone else. She saw herself as a sinner who needed a Savior. She knew she needed God's grace and she trusted the Lord to keep His promises. He was her hope. Run, run through like a little rabbit trail, if I will. I don't think we can talk about this without mentioning these, these errors. But Mary's blessed because she trusted the Lord. Um, but if you read the rest of this, this song, and we're going to leave some of that for our small groups. If you're visiting with us, we have small groups. And what we do is we, we teach a text on Sunday morning, and then the following week, the small groups get together. They, they go through that text again, and they review our points and how we... They talk a lot about application, but they also they, they deal with issues that we don't always get, have time to talk about on Sunday morning. And so there's a lot here to be, to be taught and to be... Uh, to be dissected, but if you take the rest of this song, what Mary's doing is she's looking throughout the, the history, how God has treated his, the nation of Israel. And, he, and, and she, the premise of it is God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud but gives grace and mercy to the humble. And, and that's how God has treated the Israelites throughout their history. And Mary, she's blessed because she trusted the Lord. But some want to venerate Mary and go to her for grace. And in fact, you, the Hail Mary, you know, the, the prayer that some often pray. What's wrong with that prayer? I mean, almost every line is, is, is from that prayer. It's from Luke chapter 1. Let me, let me mention it to you. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are thou among women, and blessed is thy fruit of thy womb. That's pretty good. I mean, she was blessed because she was the mother of the Lord, and she carried this, this Savior, right, for nine months. But then, then it continues. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the, at the hour of our death. Amen. Well, you know, the, being the mother of the Lord isn't the issue, but it's the last line there is praying to the dead to intercede for us. That's not biblical, is it? Some people want to venerate Mary and say things that aren't true about her. But what's so wonderful about Mary is her humility and her faith. That's the most notable thing about her. She was a sinner, and she needed a Savior, and she believed what the Lord said about this Messiah. She's a, herself is a recipient of grace. She's not the source of grace. So we don't go to Mary for grace. We go to, to our Lord. Mary is a model of faith, but she's not the object of our faith. So we need to mem remember that. Both Elizabeth and Mary are good examples for us because of their humility, their faith, and their focus on the Lord. But we've, we've seen here that God is He's so gracious to, to Elizabeth and Mary. 
just by way of application for us today as we wind things down, think about, okay, what do, what do I take from this text? I think we need to remember how God is so gracious. He's gracious to Elizabeth and Mary, but He's gracious to us, His church as well, isn't He? And He gives grace to all. That's called common grace, right? There's, there's no one who doesn't receive the grace of the Lord. I mean, we eat good food and we, ha- we laugh and we have healthy days and we have money in our pocket and food to eat. That's all common grace given to all. But He's especially gracious to us, His church, those who humble ourselves before Him and submit to His will. And that's not only what He does, giving grace to the humble, but it's also who He is. Verse 50 of her song, and His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. God is one who delights in showing mercy and pouring grace upon the humble. And so I just ask you, ask us as a church, are we humble? Are you humble? Are you submitted to the Lord? Have you humbled yourself before the Lord in submission to Him? He pours grace upon the humble. Are you humble? I mean, think about it. We we can't live the Christian life without humility. I mean, think about it. You can't forgive others if you're not humble, yielded to the Lord. You can't confess and repent of your sin if you're not humble. You can't bear with one another, and we have to do that a lot, don't we? You can't, as a church, we can't bear with one another if we're not individually yielded, humble before the Lord. We can't be thankful. We can't have thankful hearts. We just finished Thanksgiving, right? We can't be thankful, have a thankful heart, unless there is some humility about us. Because everything that we have is something we earn or deserve, right? No, we're, we're humble. And when we're humble, we can be thankful. So just a question for us. Maybe just by way of application, we need to examine our hearts. Are we yielded to the Lord in submission to Him? Are we humbled ourselves before the Lord? And you may be a, one here who's never worshipped the Lord, and you're lost, and you're separated from the Lord. You're right now at enmity with God. I want to encourage you, if that's you, humble yourself before the Lord. Submit yourself to His will. You say, well, what would that look like? Well, it might look something like this, Maybe. Something like confessing your sin, acknowledging your sin to the Lord, confessing your sin, I'm, I'm a sinner. Father, I've been in rebellion against you. But I don't want to be in rebellion against you any longer. And what I want to do today, I want to yield to you and I want to submit to your authority. And I, want to, I don't want to do what I, I don't want to live life for me, do what I want to do. Father, from this point on, I want to live for you. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to live for your glory, not my own. It might look something like that. Maybe you need to humble yourself before the Lord by way of application for the church. Are, are we, at this moment, are we yielded to the Lord? Are we humble before Him? And then as for, for those of you that aren't a part of the church, for the lost, are, you need to yield yourself and humble yourself before the Lord, confessing your sin, giving yourself over to Him who has given you every good thing, You know, the Bible teaches us God is He's a promise keeper. Just by way of application, 
Are you trusting the Lord's promises? Can you say, you know, I really, really am trusting the Lord these days. All that God has promised to do for me and to me, I am trusting Him. Is that true? He's a, he keeps His word. He keeps His covenant promises. That's who He is. Are you trusting the Lord to keep His promises to you? And as you read through the this song of Mary, you'll notice she, she has quotations and allusions from so many different texts, from many of the Psalms, from 1 Samuel chapter 2 with Hannah's prayer. It's really similar. I'll just mention, as you read through this, you can't read through this and not know. Mary really, she knew the Scriptures. She was real familiar with the Old Testament. And just by way of application, that's a, a challenge for us, isn't it? to know the Scriptures? Are you hiding God's Word in your heart? See, what Mary did, she hid God's Word in her heart and what happened, it turned into a song. Church, are we hiding His Word in our heart so that it too can turn into a song of praise, thanksgiving to the Lord? And I think just because it's, it's Christmas season, it's the Advent season and it's a Christmas text and we were singing Christmas songs. I think, let's just be mindful. It's Christmas season. Let's take, make the most of our opportunities. You're at work, you're at school, with your family, with your neighbors. It's Christmas. Let's talk a lot about Jesus. Looking for opportunities to share the gospel that can change people's lives. If you're, Miss Debbie, if you're at work, uh, if you're at home, maybe some of you here and your family members aren't believers. Well, this is Christmas season. Let's take the opportunity to talk about Jesus.